0: Want to grab a seat? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, if you guys don't know me, my name is Andrew. Um, I am on staff here with Mountain View College. Um, and like Emily said, if it's your first time, super glad you guys are here. Um, for all of you that I've met and forgot your names, I apologize. I will one day remember them, I promise. Um, and for the rest of you, good to see you guys. Um, I'm super excited to jump in tonight. We are coming on week two of our relationship series. Um, last week, if you guys were here, we Adam came in here and gave a banger sermon. Um, talking about dating, talking about what it looks like, talking about... Um, in a, in a dating relationship, our first priority is to love God and return that we can love people, um, that inside of our dating relationships, there should be a change of what beauty looks like, um, and there should be a desire to cultivate community. He also gave a lot of baby stories. Um, all I heard, I, I wasn't here, I heard, I heard like um, the recording, which if you guys have Spotify or Apple, we have them, um, and all I heard was like, yeah, I had these friends, it wasn't great, they went great, they're married, they have babies, like four times, and I was like... That's sick. Uh, <laughs> I will not share any stories of reproduction tonight. Okay, um, I promise. But um, what I do want to tell you guys is, it just t- if you guys can take out your phones, like all of you guys just and scan this QR code. Yeah, perfect. I know all of you guys know how to do it. You had to do it for two and a half years with COVID, and we're not getting rid of it. So this is our this is to ask a question for our panel. You don't. I'm not going to make you ask a question, but just having it at the ready um, for tonight's, If a question comes up in the middle of a sermon, knock it out. If it comes afterwards, um, because we come into week two, um, we will never do this again because it is way too much stuff, but we are talking about marriage and sex. Um, And the thing is, is I will not touch even like an inch of what marriage and sex and what God has to say about it and what it looks like in the life of you guys. Um, And so I know that, and so I want to be just very forthcoming, just saying like, I probably won't talk about it, and if I don't, like, ask a question we want to talk about. We want to engage those this conversation. We don't want you to think that what we say up here is the end of that conversation um, for you guys. So if something comes up, ask it. We, like, we want that. Um, and tonight, as we talk about marriage and sex, what I've been telling you is, like, we're going to talk a lot about marriage and a little about sex. So all for you guys that feel are going to feel really uncomfortable about the sex. So I'm not giving a sex talk. Um, we're going to talk a lot about marriage and, like, the image of that and what it looks like. Um, and there's so many different angles that we can take but what I, what I want to do tonight is I think in our culture, in our world, there's these underlining truths um, or truths about marriage that, we, that like, swim into our beliefs and our thoughts about what truly is marriage. What is the purpose of marriage? What does marriage look like? And what I want to do is I want to set um, you guys forward of, like, what are these lies? What do we hear? And what does God's word say about marriage? What do you do as a Christian stepping forward into a marriage covenant um, what is God calling you to? And that's where I want to be tonight. And that's where I want to go. And the way I want to do it is I want to highlight three things that marriage are um, and one thing that marriage has for us. So um, I, what I want to do is I want to start from the beginning, right? Like for most of us, we, 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 we think of the Bible in this form of like just a book that we read. But the Bible is a story, right? It's God's book, like story of redemption for his people. Um, if you guys don't know it, the very first book is the book of Genesis, and in the book of Genesis, it's the start of all humankind, right? Um, before creation, there was God. Um, and it's a st- this beautiful story in Genesis 1 of God coming and speaking um, and, and all that you can imagine. Everything that is created, God puts together, right? The moon, the stars, everything else. And with this beautiful picture of creation that happens um, is that God lays this beautiful picture of marriage for us and kind of what he, ex- what he calls us to do um, for the rest of eternity, and so in this, we see this story of um, things being made, all these things. And God says, man, these things are very good. Everything you see around you, God said was very good. Um, but he does this thing. He comes to this part of Genesis 1 where he says something is very good. And it's this final creation that he makes. Um, and he creates, in, um, he creates mankind. But he doesn't just create mankind. He creates us as mankind. He says it's very good. He creates it in his image. So as we talk about marriage, it's not just this idea of two people. It's two image bearers of God that he created and called very good and he brought together. So Genesis 1 paints this beautiful picture. And then Genesis 2 comes in where it kind of talks about how this all happens. And it's kind of a weird story um, because you have Adam who's created. There's all these animals. And God looks at him and says, Adam, find a suitable helper. So Adam is like going through, I don't know. What kind of animals were there? He's looking at the animals. He's looking through them. He's looking through them. He's like, God, there's no suitable helper for me. There's nothing here that is what you have called me to. So what God does is he puts Adam into this deep sleep. He removes a rib from him while he's asleep. He, he creates woman, and Adam wakes up, and he sees Eve. And all I can imagine is, like, I don't know if you guys, um, if your parents put all your presents out in like, on Christmas morning, and you walk up you're like, Heck, yes, I got it. Like, all the presents. I can just see Adam, like, running up and be like, this is awesome. Like, this is her. This is the one God created for me. And, and that's where we see this culmination where God's, like, brings these two together. And he's, like, he's like in this weird way that's supposed to be poetic. He's, like, Eve, you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And it's, like, this weird love. I don't know what. If I ever told my wife that, she'd be, like, what the heck are you telling me? Um, but, like, it's a weird thing. But what I find really interesting is the next thing that is said is not like God's like, go be fruitful and multiply, have a good time. Like, God's like, I have something for you. And kind of cool. But most of you guys are like, I'm dating, single, figuring it all out. I don't really know what's going on. That as you step forward into what it is, looking to the future, holding firm to the truths of marriage. The first one is this. Um, Marriage is a covenant. Right, it says therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Um, right, so it's kind of this weird statement because if you think of it like Adam doesn't have a mother or father, like and neither does Eve. They were like created. Like I don't know. The first thing I think of, I'm like, why would God declare this? Like say these to these people when he's probably like, what's a mom? What's a dad? Like no idea. Like there's no context for it. It's like I was talking with someone this morning. He was like. Isn't it really weird like when God tells Adam that he's going to experience death and he's like what the heck is death? Like it just doesn't make sense. It's not on his radar. So he says leave your father and mother and what I think that God is pointing to is that marriage is like leaving this umbrella of your guardian for most of us that's parents um, but we leave this protection that's above us and we come and we cling and we hold to our spouse on both sides a woman clinging to her husband and a husband clinging to his wife um but it's not just that. That idea of clinging, that idea of holding on to, that idea of being together, right? It just reminds me. Who here has seen the Titanic? Okay, worst love story ever. But right, the boat crashes. They're in the water. Right, um, the very last scene. I'm bl- Jack um jack's there and she's like like never let go jack is i'll never let go i promise and there's more than enough room on the stinking piece of wood get on it move on But right this idea of like that's our view of marriage like oh i'll never let go this emotional thing but what god's talking about here is far more deeper than this emotional that i'm never gonna let go the reason i call it a covenant um, which is a word we don't use is a covenant is something that's bound and bonded together that both sides choose and the problem is our culture talks about it somewhat in this way, but they talk of more in the way of a contract. right? Most of us understand what a contract is. If you have student loans, you've got to sign one. If, you have, if you're like renting or doing anything, you have to sign one. Um, but a contract is this, right? There's an agreement that one side will give this and the other side will give that. And if both sides do their part, all is fine. But if one side fails to provide um, what they said they're going to do, um, then the contract can be ended. I think of it this way. right? If you guys don't know, we're in the middle of tax season. Woo, get ready for adulthood, right? Taxes, so I have a tax guy, right? I And I signed a contract with him. I was like, yo, I'm gonna give you all these ridiculous documents. You're gonna file my taxes for me, and I'm gonna pay you, right? We have this contract, we have this bonding contract. At the end of the day, if I go to him and I'm like, hey, did you do my taxes? And he says, no, I didn't do them. Like, I'm not gonna pay him. There's a contract, there's a give. You do something, I give you something in return. Um, and if you flip it, if he like, did all my taxes, and then I was just like, I ain't going to pay you. Like, I'm probably going to get the cops called on me, right? Like, there's a contract, and there's something that happens, but when it's broken, it's broken. And that's not what God is calling us to when he talks about clinging to one another. He's talking about a covenant. It's not this idea that if this person does this, then I will do this. And that's the problem we see in our culture. It's this idea that this person, if they don't meet my expectations, if they don't do what I want, if they don't, then I'm not going to love them well. Or maybe if they don't treat me the way I ask, then I'm just gonna leave them, right? Our culture, what's seeped into our heart, is this very contract give and take. You do what you're supposed to, and I'll give my side, but if you don't, then I won't. And that's not the idea here. A covenant is two people coming together that says, even if you don't meet those things, I'm still here. And when I fail to meet these things, you're still there. Marriage is not this throwaway thing. God calls us to, when he says, cling um, cling fast, he's talking about this covenant that comes together. It's not a contract, right? So the first thing is marriage is a covenant. Um, the second thing we see in is here is that saying two will become one, um, and it says, and they will become one flesh. Right? If we stop at this idea that marriage is a covenant, it's pretty much like two very unhappy people having to stay in something because they're supposed to. And like that's not the view that God paints here, right? God wants, wants us to be committed, and in a commitment that'll last a lifetime. But He also desires for marriage to be unifying, right? Two lives that are set on their own path, going their own direction, doing their own thing, but ending up giving up their freedoms and coming together. Right? I have a story of my friend. Um, one day I was so I'm from Texas originally. I have a friend. He's married. He got he. Had, not not what you're gonna do, and I was like. No, I was like, I, I like, I'm, like, I wasn't married. I didn't know Lauren at this point. I was like, no, I think when I get married, I'm just like put everything together. And he's like, well, that's really stupid. And I was like, thanks, bro. I was like, cool. He was like, but like the thing is, is like the reason it was so du- like doesn't make sense to him is because it's like he clear- and he said this in front of me. He's like, well, if we get a divorce, like, I don't want to have to worry about my money being split up. It's my money. Because the problem is, is in his mind, there's an exit plan. There's this, there's this way that if something doesn't meet what he needs or something happens, there's a way to exit. There's a way to get out of it. And the thing is, is like, I was just baffled in this way, I guess, because that's just not like, my parents, that's just not what they did. And like, I know for some of you guys, it's like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. But like, it just baffled me. I was like, how do you have an exit plan? And the thing is, is I'm not saying, right? Like, your parents have two different bank accounts, there's nothing wrong with that. Like That's their own thing. Like I'm not saying that, or you're like, I just feel that's, that's I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is, if in a relationship there's an exit plan, there's no way that you can truthfully say that two are becoming one. If the idea is, is that there's something, there's an eject that I can get out of here, right? then you're really not become, two becoming one. Right? It's like when you're sitting on a plane, if any of you guys sat in the emergency exit and they look at you and they go, In the case of evacuation, will you help the people? And I say yes, and I'm really like, No, because we're dead. <laughs> like, there's no way out. Like, if this plane goes down, I'm not getting out of it. Let's just be honest here. It's like the same thing. I'm not looking to make an escape because I'm committed, I'm in it. It's two becoming one. Right? But that's not what God's like, that's not all. Like, it's not just this physical thing of like, intertwining your lives, um, but it's a big part of it. The guy who married Lauren and I told me this. He said, do anything and everything you can do to put together. Merge it. Make it one. Because if he's like, anytime there, if there's ever a point where you're like, is this what really what's happening? It's like, you just look at everything and go like, that's going to take forever. I'm, this, is, this is it. And, we, and people have those thoughts. Like, marriage is not easy. I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying that's like a common thing. But he's like, merge everything. Make it so difficult in your life that there's not even a second thought. But God's God's ideas of two becoming one is not just physical, right? Two becoming one is putting two souls together, two, two these emotional people together becoming one. And the greatest way he does that is the form of sex. Right, I'm gonna say this. Sex is from God. It is a gift from God. And there is a plan from God for it, right? Some of us, when, we talk, when you hear the word sex, it's kind of uncomfortable. Uh, like I am right there with a lot of people. Like I grew up, like, maybe some of you guys are like, it's kind of a dirty word. Like if I said sex in front of my parents, it was like, whoa, like, don't talk about that. It's bad. It's really, no, don't. It's, it's not good. You know, you get older, you're like, well, then how did you create me? But it's like, I grew up in this home where like sex was a bad thing. We didn't talk about it. It was a no-go. Maybe for some of you guys, sex wasn't even talked about. You're like, I honestly, it's kind of a mystery to me because it just wasn't a part of my vocabulary. Maybe for some of you, you've experienced sex, actually experienced it, and it's a whole new way for you, or maybe it was an outlet for you. It was a hope you cling to. It was something that fulfilled you. Maybe sex is a bad word to you because someone did something against you in that manner that broke you. Right? Sex is this word that has all these connotations, and that's the reason I said at the beginning, we'll, we'll never talk about marriage and sex together because it's just too deep. Um, but what I want to get here is that Sex is this beautiful thing, even if someone or, some, or you have tainted it in some way. Right? Sex was never meant to be something that we just did with anyone. It was created to bring unity, security, and love to a marriage. And the truth of the matter is that anything outside of that, anything outside of a, biblical a man and woman having sex together is broken. And it'll never leave you whole. It only leads to brokenness and emptiness like all sin does. And for some of you here, or maybe you've heard the argument like, hey, I have sex and I've done it and I don't feel that broken. That maybe on a physical level, yeah, you you don't. But you're missing the point of sex. Right? The point of sex is um, the way people talk about it's the mingling of souls. Right? There's something that happens in a marriage covenant inside of sex, um, inside of intercourse, that brings this closeness and the unity with the other person. Right? There's something that happens that physically, emotionally, mentally, that there's this bond that happens together inside that sex is supposed to bring to becoming one. Right. And anything of outside of that is, is, is ripping it apart. It's like, think of it this way. Um, if I was to get two pieces of paper and put glue in the middle and slap them and let them dry and hand them to you, you can't actually honestly tell me that you could pull them apart and not rip them. When sexes happen outside of marriage, it, it causes brokenness. It was never meant for that. It's this beautiful, great gift. But I want you to know we hear in this world, it's like if you love someone, you have sex. If you want to keep someone around you, you have sex. If you want to be fulfilled, have sex. It is, sex is the most tainted thing in our culture right now because it's so just given away so easily. And that's what we're told to do. But God has a plan for it. God has a purpose for it. And it's to bring two together. It's to unify two people that have committed themselves for a lifetime until death did them part. about two broken people who have their own desires coming and surrendering themselves up for the other person, committing to a lifetime. That's what two becoming one is. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is two becoming one. And marriage ultimately is a reflection of the gospel. It's the third thing we see here. And what I actually want to do is I want to jump to Ephesians chapter five, which is a, it's kind of a quote of this. And it's um, what Paul writes is this um, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. We see from here from the writer of Ephesians, Paul the Apostle, um, he's quoting back to Genesis 2. Right, we see the exact same verses said in the exact same way, but he adds this last part. The mystery. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. we were to go back to Genesis chapter 2, the very next verses, or pull down, it starts Genesis 3. If you don't know, Genesis 3 um, starts with a story of Eve. She's walking in this beautiful garden that God had created for her. Um, it's a story. She goes up and there's a serpent, Satan, the deceiver, who comes and he, he starts tempting and he starts lying to her, saying, hey, don't you, why don't you eat this fruit? And it, it's the fruit... It's this fruit tree that God. had said, "Do not partake of." It's the no- tree of knowledge of good and evil. It says, "Do not take of it; like you will surely die." And this is, it seems like did, did God really say this? He's do- it's, all these kind of like things are going on, and Eve is she she's struggling, and she's she gave into sin. She believed that what was told to her was greater than what God had, and so she takes of the fruit and she eats it, and then she turns right next to her and she hands it to Adam, who just sinned in the same way, who heard the same deception from the serpent, and he too sinned by believing that something was greater than God, because if he didn't believe that, he would have told Eve to, sit, to not do it. Adam and Eve commit this sin of thinking that something was better than God. This marriage that was supposed to be together, brokenness has entered it. Genesis 3 is a story of fall, and it's about the sin that enters the world, the brokenness that enters the world, that sin and brokenness that we are marked by. The same sin we have today. And for most of you, you're here and you know that as I talk about marriage and all the things that come with it, it's not what we see, right? Marriages today aren't families. Maybe, maybe you've experienced that for yourself or close relatives, right? We know marriage doesn't really have two becoming one. It's about selfishness. It's the me mentality that is very deeply intertwined, right? Sex has caused harm and brokenness for you. Maybe personally, it's left you empty. It makes you feel used as manipulation. Maybe you've been abused by it. It's torn your heart apart. Marriage isn't the things we've talked about. It's not this beautiful picture of what we see with Adam and Eve. It's because of the fall. It's because of this original sin that happened where Eve partook and Adam partook and They sinned in grievous ways. But why this marriage represents Jesus is because it's the reason he came. Jesus knew that this brokenness and this death and this sin was full in our hearts. And he came and he died for those sins. He rose again and took his place back on his throne in heaven. And the sin that grips our hearts, the sin that breaks apart our dating relationships and our friendships and our views of marriage and our views of sex. They're broken. Right? Romans six says this in verse 17, he says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching that is which is you committed. And this is the big part. And having been set free from sin and become slaves of righteousness. Like Jesus steps into the picture. The reason why marriage is this beautiful picture of the like marriage is a beautiful picture of Jesus is because of what he did. He came down, he surrendered all. He gave it all up. All the sin that fills our life, it's redeemed. All the brokenness, let please hear me. If you have fallen short in the way of sex or dating relationships, it's redeemed. You don't have to walk out if you're feeling shame that you've done something wrong and that you're dirty and broken. You're not too far gone. One of the greatest struggles walking into marriage, walking into being a Christian, was that I had fallen short. I sat for so long going, God, can God really love me? Because of all the things I've done. Jesus, out of his great love, came and he died for you. He surrendered. He was willing to give. Jesus pours out his love. And the reason why marriage is a reflection of the gospel is because it's exactly what Jesus did this is what we're called to do in marriage. To surrender, to give ourselves up, to have grace, to have mercy, to have love that is poured out on each other. Right? Marriage is a covenant between two people. It goes for a lifetime. It's two becoming one, and it's a reflection of the gospel. And the last thing that marriage has for us is marriage has a mission. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 35 says this, And I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. I want to focus at the end of this verse, like the last few things that is written here. Marriage has a mission. It's this. It's your undivided devotion to the Lord. Marriage's ultimate mission, ultimate purpose is not for you just to grow closer with the other person. It's not you just turning in and saying, we are together and you lean on each other in this dependency of everything way. It's two people who come together and heading upward, seeking the Lord with all they have. One of the greatest temptations that you can fall into as you think about marriage is, this other person will complete me. This other person will fill the brokenness and the hurt in my life. They will fulfill some longing and desire that I have and they never will. And I want you to know that now because I don't want you to one day say I do and be utterly disappointed because you will. Your spouse will fail you. They'll hurt you. They'll mess up. And that's not, their point is not to be perfect because the ultimate goal is our undivided devotion to the Lord. And as you choose, and as a covenant comes together, as two becoming one, all of it comes together, it's to have your undivided devotion to him. It's two people committed to each other, becoming one as a reflection of Jesus, desiring to become more like him. Do not let the lie of inward devotion steer you away from the devotion to the one one marriage is supposed to reflect. And so I want to challenge you guys. I want to ask. I want to close with this. like, What are your views of, and expectations in marriage? Are they this? Are that you're going to find someone who's going to sh- desire to be with you for a lifetime no matter what happens? That's going to desire to know you and love you and care for you and give up their own pride and their own arrogance? Do they desire to live your marriage out like the gospel? Is their heart fully devoted to God? What are you desiring? What false things are you holding on to? And what needs to change in your mind and your heart to be more aligned to what Scripture calls us to inside of marriage? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word, um, that, Lord, you say it never returns void. Um, it pierces the heart. Um, it meets us in deep ways. Lord, and I pray for these verses on marriage, um, and we talk about sex and all these things, and your design for them all, the beautiful design that you have. Lord, I pray for us in this room, Lord, that we would not get... We would not fall into the trap of believing the lies of the marriage we see in the world today, but, Lord, we would cling to the truth that you have for us. We would hold fast to knowing that you are better than all those other lies. Lord, we would shape our minds and our hearts and our desires and our affections to what you have for us, not what this world has for us. And, Lord, I pray that in this room, as many of these students maybe are considering marriage and desiring marriage, that, Lord, you would prepare their hearts now and you would shape them for the glory of your name And Lord, you just let them rest in you inside of it. Um, It's in your name we pray. Amen.